You're listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm writer, filmmaker, and book devourer, Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, actress, filmmaker, and e-reader. This episode, we're talking about reading music and interviewing author Grady Hendrix. But first... What are you reading, Bria? It sounds like reading music. You I know. You know what I'm saying? Okay. I know. I totally get it. Music that you listen to while you're reading. Yes. Not yeah. reading notes. Yeah. Um, I just started a book last night by a friend of both of ours. Mm-hmm. It's called We Are Where the Nightmares Go by C. Robert Cargill. Cargill wrote Sea of Rust, which I very much enjoyed, but he also wrote the series set in the um, Texas Hill Country about fairies called Dreams and Dreams and Shadows. Queen. There's three of them, I think. Yeah. And um, those were really great, and that's when I started reading his books and ended up making friends with him, and he is amazing. Anyway, this is a new book of short stories. I read two last night. One... Before I went to bed, that was very creepy. I think also set in a small town in Texas, and it's a ghost story. And the other one was set in like a post, in a nightmare, a post nightmare world, in a nightmare world. And I read it in the middle of the night when Sean accidentally woke me up at one thirty in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, and that's Sean. what I did at one thirty in the morning. I read a scary nightmare story <laughs> <laughs> on brand for Bria. Um, but it, but um, if you like his stuff, I think these are great. They're not super short. They're like they're like really you get into the world of the story. So they've been really great so far and perfect for Halloween holiday reading because it's coming around. Coming around. What do you do, read, Mallory? Uh, I am reading a book called Freshwater by Aquake Z, and it is sort of like a fantasy, weird literary fiction coming of age story about this little girl and the whole like in the in this book normally when children are born like the like the ethereal magical presence of your soul loses its connection with the with like the beyond but and for this little girl the door was never closed so it's like she is in her body like the little girl herself but there's also her body's also inhabited by this like spirit from another world that is still like talking like in communication with the gods and has its own agenda so this little girl is just like the hardest little kid to deal with because she's super violent and super emotional and super passionate and the parents don't really know what to how to deal with her and it's like about her growing up with always feeling like she has one foot in another world and trying to find her place and it's really really good so far i love it even yeah. though it took me a really long time to buy it because there's a snake on the cover <sighs> but i bought it anyway hey, i, I want to read it i have to tell you don't go watch the nun oh there's a lot of snakes in it. Thank you There's for telling me theme. that. Yeah, I, I was thinking you right about after buying. I, saw it. I was thinking not about that going. you shouldn't go watch the nun. You know, I think people should watch it, but you personally should not. Thank you for that. Tip. It's a real scary. You snake moment. have just saved me some sleepless nights. <laughs> uh, so we're going to take a moment to answer a recommendation request from Kristen. Kristen says, "As a reader, it's easy to hear about the latest and greatest, but I would like some exposure to someone or something less mainstream. I'm open to any genre." Bria, what's your favorite book that not enough people talk about? I, this is such a hard question because I was like, I have so many, but then I was like, I also have none that I can think of at the moment. Yeah, well, and, also you never know what someone what people are talking about. about. The one that came to my mind is I feel like I was talking about it a lot a few years ago, but I haven't talked about it in a while, so I thought I'd just bring that one up. But this is—I have no idea if this is a good. Um, a good choice. But um, the one I'm thinking of is Machine Man by Max Berry. Did you read that? No, but someone just talked about Lexicon on the uh, uh Travis McElroy yeah. just talked about Lexicon in our yes, game book episode. Yes, that's right. He did. Um, and he also wrote Jennifer Government. Um, and I think those are a little bit more popular than Machine Man. Machine Man was before both of those. But it's like a really fucked up science fiction story basically where a guy 
starts by replacing one part of his body with a machine, and then things start to go really downhill from there. Oh, no. So, and it's very good, and I remember reading it and just being like, telling everyone, I was like, gotta read this book, Machine Man. It really, like, got to me. And it has a lot of artificial, not artificial intelligence. What do you call it when you, like, everybody's doing stuff to their body with machines? Like, what do you call that? Biotech? What? Yeah, biotech. Yeah, it has yeah. Like, a lot of that, but very futuristic. I loved this book, and then for some reason I have not recommended it to anybody in a very long time, and I'm sorry about that, Max Berry, because I thought it was great. <laughs> He'll be checking up on you from <laughs> Max now Max Berry on, listens Bria. to this every week, and he's like, but when are they going to recommend Machine Man? <laughs> <laughs> They've talked so much about Lexicon. <laughs> what do you recommend, Mallory? Uh, I think right now we're in, like, this golden age of feminist memoirs. Um, people talk a lot about, you know, Bad Feminist by Roxane Gay and, like, Yes, Please by Amy Poehler. There's all kinds of, like, really great memoirs right now. But one that I think people don't talk about as much, and it came out, oh, God, I think it came out early 2000s, maybe? Um, but it, I've talked about it very briefly on the show before. Uh, the, it's a memoir called The Chronology of Water by Lydia Yuknovich. Uh, and it's a memoir that will absolutely fucking fuck you up. It, trigger warnings also for drug use and suicide and miscarriage. It's a memoir of Lydia's life to find herself as a creator and, like, find love and peace after neglect and tragedy because she had, like, a lot of problems with drug abuse and neglect as a child and, like, a miscarriage. And, like, her life, she had to deal with so much big tragedy. But, like, finding herself as a writer and a maker and, like, finding love and making her own family, like, it will destroy you. But in the best way possible. It's so good. <laughs> I love being destroyed in the best way possible. <laughs> it's it's from a, I think it's from Hawthorne Press. So it's from a small press. So I feel like it didn't get as much, it doesn't get as much, like, push as other like bigger books did but it is if you're looking to get torn open from your inside out in a very very good way and you're in a place where you can read about stuff like that definitely read the chronology of water by lydia yuknovich cool cool uh so you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com also that was i'm read i forgot to say i'm reading freshwater by Aquake mz and i'm reading we are where the nightmares go and other stories by c robert cargill so we have a few bookmarks today. Uh, first off, again, I just want to reiterate, uh, booksellers, librarians, if you know a bookseller or a librarian, please email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Uh, my publisher is doing something very exciting with my book, and I would we would make mean a lot to me if you could help, out, help me out and uh, reach out and uh, get involved. You got to see your book in person. Oh, my God. Yes. Oh, this is the first time back after Dragon Con. Yeah, I went to I went down to Atlanta um, for Dragon Con, and I got to have dinner with our resident librarian, Brazos Price. And we got there. Me and Alan got to the restaurant, and I was like, "Hey, Brazos," and he was like, "Hey, Mallory, maybe you might want to sign your book." <laughs> and I was like, oh! and he, I had never seen a copy of it before." But it didn't have a cover, right? No, it's just like a bound, like uncorrected a manuscript. Yeah. But oh. I lost my mind. Yes. And, like both me and Alan, like we're all cryy, and I felt really bad because like poor Brazos is like having to deal with me and Alan being all emotional <laughs> <with each other. laughs> but we had a really good time and it was amazing and thank you so much Brazza so if you want to get in on that please email us also we did a few podcast crossovers I want to talk about we I did Switchblade Sisters Sisters Switchblade Sisters and I talked about the brilliant film Basket Case um, that's a Maximum Fun show um, I also did a podcast called The Process which will be coming out pretty soon I don't think that's been released yet and then we both did um, SFF Yeah Yeah on, we did a crossover book with Riot. Book Riot uh, yeah. I don't know when that's coming out but we will be posting all, all over our Instagram and Twitter and Facebook uh, when that is up Yeah so check out those podcasts they're all really rad if you haven't checked out Switchblade Sisters that's a really cool Maximum Fun one it's all about 
uh, women in horror. And the process is all about people's like creative process that I did, which was don't really fun wanna, to talk about. Don't you folks want to know Priya's creative process? It's not that interesting. <laughs> Actually, she had a lot of questions where she was like, you probably don't have like any like organizational things you want to talk about. I was like, oh, yes, I do. I have so many organizational things I want to talk about. Uh, also, so September, as you may not know, is library card sign-up month. And since Reading Glasses loves libraries, we're running a contest starting today, the day, th- Thursday, the day this episode drops, um, it ending the last day of September, if you Instagram or tweet or email or post in the Reading Glasses Facebook group a picture of your library card, you will be entered to win a box of books from us. Yep. Very exciting. And if you don't have a library card, well, boom, this is the month to sign up. It's free. It's the best. You get so much awesome stuff when you like work with the library, get your library card, get access to a lot of cool stuff. And me and Breer will be posting photos of our library cards and you can see my very well-worn library card that I carry everywhere. So it's a September Reading Glasses library card event. You know you want a free box of books. Yeah. Free box of books. They're going to be mostly books that were sent to us. So get excited about that. Yeah. Did you say that? I don't know. Who could say? And so before we talk about reading music, we're going to take a quick break. Support for Reading Glasses comes in part from Simple Contacts, a convenient way to renew your contacts lens prescription and reorder contacts from anywhere in minutes. Need to renew a prescription? Take a five-minute vision test from your phone or computer. It's reviewed by a licensed doctor. You receive a renewed one-year prescription and reorder your contacts. Have an unexpired prescription? Just upload a photo or your doctor's information and order your lenses. I wear contact lenses, and I actually used this service before they were a sponsor. Very exciting. Um, I was very excited when they became a sponsor. This is actually, it's so easy. Like, people who wear contacts, they, you know you have to go every single year. You have to get your thing renewed every single year. Oh, wow. And it's really annoying. And then I always get, like, a six-month supply because I'm cheap. And then I'm like, <laughs> oh, no, I need to go back and get it redone. Whatever. It's just, like, it makes it so much easier. You do it on your phone. I had a lot of problems because I had an old phone, and it was, like, screwing up. Um, and they kept writing me back and being like, you know what, we can't hear you. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I kept redoing it and they worked with me until I got it right. That's so nice. It was really nice. So like, even if you have an old phone, you can use simple contacts. It will totally work. And then they sent contacts right to my doorstep. Folks, if you can see, your eyesight is very important to reading. You got to get all those books in your eyes. But we have to say... This is not a replacement for your periodic full eye exam, but if you wear contacts and you want to get some reading done, uh, get $20 off your first contacts order at simplecontacts.com reading, or just enter code reading at checkout. Hi, I'm Biv. And I'm Teresa. And we host When Bev Mother, a comedy podcast about parenting. Whether you are a parent or just know kids exist in the world, join us each week as we honestly share what it's like to be a parent. And then that's how my day starts. Yeah. Come on. I'm I, so I, sick of it. <laughs> when is that going to be over? Like, I want it to stop. <laughs> Teresa, you're hurting my ears. <laughs> I mean, that's it. Yeah, no, that's... I just hate it. Yeah, I don't blame <laughs> you. It sucks. It really sucks. So join us each week as we judge less, laugh more, and remind you that you are doing a great job. Find us on MaximumFun.org, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
This week, it's all about what we listen to when we read. Some people like silence, some people like background music, some people like white noise. Whatever you prefer, it can really enhance or ruin, depending on who you are, your reading experience. So there's an article in The Guardian from 2016 that helps explain why we listen to music when we do other tasks. Do you know about this? I do not. Um, basically, our brain has... This is a very simple way of describing this, but it has like an unconscious system and a conscious conscious system. Oh no, I have trouble with that word. Me Whatever. Too. Okay, if we if you're doing any task or including reading, the conscious one is engaged and it's paying attention to what you're doing, and the unconscious one, no matter what you do, is starting to pay attention to other things around you. It like smells coffee. It like hears the dog making a noise. It like you know starts thinking about what you did yesterday that you really regret. You know, like it like the unconscious system never stops going. So if you listen to music when you're doing something like reading, you can engage that unconscious part and it makes it easier for some people um, because it doesn't tell you to like go get up and check on the dog coffee or thing you just said. Instead, you can stay, that part stays engaged with the music and the conscious part stays engaged with the reading, which is why a lot of people like music when they read. Huh. Do you like music when you read? I do not. (laughs) (laughs) Turn that music off. (laughs) Turn that. Turn. What's that noise? I'm like a loud, like, a person in my front yard swinging a fist around. And we say as we sit in a very full music studio full of, what is this in front of me? What is this called? A keyboard? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But it has a special name anyway. There's a lot of music in our house. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. I don't. I listen to... Nothing. I'm a silence person. Um, occasionally, I'll read while my fiance is watching TV. If I, he's watching something like I'm just not interested in, especially he's watching some documentary that I'm just like, Bleh, like, <laughs> give me my science fiction book so I don't have to watch this documentary. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, I don't turn on music when I'm reading. Mm. Ever. I don't even think about it. Sometimes when I'm writing, but like when I'm reading, I like it very silent. Which is why Sean can wake me up in the middle of the night by going out of my gate. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? Do you do you uh, uh, listen to music while you read? I do, and I'm sort of the opposite. I feel like because my, like I think maybe because I have anxiety, that unconscious part of my brain is like in overdrive all the time. Yeah, it's like screaming at you. Yes, basically, <laughs> it's just like a five year old child that's like <laughs> pounding on my brain. Uh, so I can read pretty during pretty much anything like movies television video games bombs exploding i definitely do like to read with music playing Uh, my favorite thing to do is match whatever i'm reading to a pandora station um like i have stations for scary books sad books happy books they're mostly instrumental just because i think they're more moody and atmospheric that way yeah i think it's not so hard because if you if there's lyrics i start like listening to them or something i uh, that doesn't bother me but i just like it feels to me it feels like a good score for a movie or like setting the mood um I like horror movie scores. Uh, my favorite stations are the Only Lovers Left Alive station, oh. uh, classical music, big band music from the 30s and 40s, also Tom Waits because Tom Waits, and you know that I'm obsessed with Tom Waits. Uh, but yeah, I can, like, all the time I read while Alan is playing video games or watching stuff. Oh, random fact. Did you know that they studies have found that in a lot of cases, the best music for reading or doing tasks by are, is video game music because it's so repetitive. So it engages your brain, but you don't pay attention to it. That's interesting because yeah. I read all the time while Alan plays video games. Yeah. And it's like our favorite thing with like a, several cats between us. <laughs> it's the best. 
Uh, thing you found that person in your you found a person. <laughs> oh, I everyone knows that I don't I, I found my perfect person. Uh, but so Pandora, Spotify, Amazon Music, all these programs allow you to listen to hours of free instrumental music stations, and they're p- sort of perfect for marathon reading sessions or reading in the tub. Instrumental music can be great background noise to help you concentrate while you read. If you've got like noisy neighbors or you know you need to distract your brain and relax, like you know, depending on what your living situation is, or maybe you're reading in public and you're on your break and you need to help concentrate. Put your headphones in and put on the uh, instrumental Pandora station. Like, help get in your little reading bubble. You know what happens to me? I, I always come home, like, I'll be listening to a podcast in my car, and it'll be, like, some story podcast, and I'm like, ooh, I want to know what happens at the end of Dr. Death. That's what I'm listening to right now. It's pretty fascinating. Um, and But then I also want to read, and I'm always like, is there a way I can listen to a podcast and read at the same time? And the answer is no. I can. I think it's a no. I can a little bit. You can? Yeah. But are you getting both? I already have trouble paying attention to the book. I'm I it it is hard, but I can if I really really work at it. You're I can getting do both it. information. I can do it for like 15 minutes. Wow, it's weird. Is it the hardest 15 minutes of your life? Yes, <laughs> it is. Also, if you said no. I was going to ask what that was the hardest 15 minutes of your life. So you're good. It's good you answered that. <laughs> Every time I have to go into a bookstore, I'm not allowed to buy books. Okay, so. fine. Um, also, are you ready to get your mind blown? This is the coolest okay. thing that so many readers don't know about. Okay. A lot of authors make playlists to go with their books. Oh, wow. Like, th- So these might be songs they wrote the book to, songs inspired by the book, or songs that remind them of the book. Oh, wow. So my friend, I, have a t- I know a ton of authors that do this. My friend Delilah Dawson creates playlists for her books. Uh, she wrote the new Star Wars Phasma novel, and she posted her Phasma playlist on her Spotify account. So you can just like listen to it while you read the, the Phasma book. Super cool. Uh, there's also there's a band called The Tuesday Well that wrote an album based on one of my favorite werewolf books, uh, The Last Werewolf by Glenn Duncan, and it's fucking awesome. Wow, so they didn't write it, but they wrote a, an album based on the book. Yes. That's so cool. I When I um, directed my movie, I, I people who helped out and gave money, I made them special mix CDs of, of songs that were inspired by the movie. That's awesome. Nope. Movies inspired by the... Nope. Songs... That I use to inspire the yeah. movie. <laughs> no, it's really cool because you can kind of get to like a little window into the author's mind. Like you can get, you know, in the right mood and atmosphere for reading the book. And it's just like cool. Yeah. And I mean, the thing is about music. I think music, we don't understand how music fucks with our brains and changes our brains and does things in our brains. Um, I mean, I have a father with advanced Alzheimer's, and there's a lot of things he doesn't know, but fuck, like, he knows music. It's weird. That's like, so cool. I can start singing a song, and he can sing it, or I play a song, and I'll put it in his headphones, and he won't be able to, like, communicate about much else, but he will be able to sing that song. So, like, we know music affects humans in this really weird way, and there's a part of our brains that I think must be just dedicated to, like, the importance of music. This is, like, the box we keep our important yeah. songs in or something. That's so like, cool. I think it changed. There's something about music that I don't think anything else compares to like in the human experience yeah so it's definitely important and it inspires and i think it is very inspirational for other kinds of art like whenever i'm driving and i'm trying to like think about something i'm making i'm i definitely am putting on songs that i'm hoping will like inspire that i do a lot of my thinking while driving that's why i said driving other people might be walking but music definitely like hits that like like that inspiration bubble oh totally i mean so if you love an author, go see if they have a Spotify account or have created any playlists. I have a playlist to go with my book, Lady from the Black Lagoon. Oh, you do? Of all songs that I listened to a lot when I wrote the book and, like, I arranged it in order of her life. So, like, certain songs are, like, part of 
or like the oh, chronology cool. of her life. You can also check on Spotify because a lot of fans create playlists um, for books of songs that remind them of the book. So you just like, go, like just go in Spotify and search the name of the book. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, it's super fun. And also, fa- listeners, you can create your own and share it and send it to us and we'll share it. We want to see your book playlist or your genre playlist. You can make a sci-fi playlist. That would be really, really cool. Yeah. Like your favorite sci-fi movie scores and read your sci-fi books to it. Yeah, you super know, cool. especially if you want to do that, we will read like some of the, the books. I was going to say we'll play it, but I don't know what the legality is of that. So, like, maybe nope. we'll, we'll read we some can, of the songs. We can read the titles. <laughs> so you can send your thoughts on reading music to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. And before we talk to Brady Hendrix, we're going to take a quick break. Genre film fans, hear me. I know you're out there. Do not be ashamed of your love for gore, action, sci-fi, or fantasy. It's time to come out of the shadows. Because on Switchblade Sisters, we celebrate our love for genre films. I'm film critic April Wolf. Each week I have a conversation with a different female filmmaker about their fave genre film, and we cover film craft, getting projects off the ground, working with actors, and our general love for genre movies. I've had so many great guests, like Heather Graham. In the past, it's like so many films are made by men that the female point of view is not always respected, which is why all these stories haven't come out till now. Jennifer's body director, Karin Kusama. I think there's a lot more fantasy and a lot more expectation projected onto a woman director. Comedian and actor, Kate Berlant. I mean, it sounds so cheesy to talk about it in yourself. Like, you just keep going. You're, you know, I'm just a vessel. Like, I, I just do it. You know, I don't think. But, like, that is what it is. And many others. So check out Switchblade Sisters every Thursday on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. So here we are with author Grady Hendrix, someone we are, Bria and I are big fans of. Grady, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, dudes, thanks for having me. So what are you reading right now, Grady? Uh, right now, I'm in the middle of writing my next book that's coming out next fall. And so um, I'm only reading stuff for that, uh, which is a little boring. So I'm looking around right now. I am reading... Uh, uh, let's see. I am reading... Tell us um, the boring stuff. The Rise and Fall of the Third Reich. Um <laughs> A book on the ethnic uh, clashes in Transylvania and Romania, and um, a bunch of back issues from 1993 of Southern Living Magazine, which are telling me bath remodeling, how to and how much is too much. I thought I could guess what the book was about, and now I can't. (laughs) (laughs) So speaking of book, can you tell us about your new book, We Sold Our Souls? Sure. I mean, We Sold Our Souls is basically my heavy metal horror novel that's sort of a riff on the Faust legend. Um, It's about a band, a metal band in the 90s that almost made it big, but then kind of fell apart when their lead singer took off to have this big solo career. And he's sort of become this Marilyn Manson-sized icon. And now they are all sort of, you know, working in Best West and selling real estate. And one of them who sort of took it all the hardest, my main character, Chris Pulaski, she discovers that um, his, the former vocalist's uh, fame and fortune came about because he didn't sell his soul to Satan. He sold everyone else in the band's soul to Satan. And so um, she's understandably annoyed and sets out to sort of have a reckoning. 
And before we went on the, got on the air, you said that this was a tough one for you. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, this book was rough. And I don't want to bum people out with my, my boring, sad, sob stories. But, um, you know, ultimately, I am typing for a living in a climate-controlled room in a comfortable chair. I'm not out there, like, digging ditches or building bridges. Um, but, yeah, this book, you know, my publisher really thought I was going to be giving them something that was like, this is Spinal Tap meets, like, Scooby-Doo. And... Um, and I have to take my concepts really seriously to make them work. Like, you know, and I had to think about like outside of sort of a Judeo-Christian tradition, what does selling your soul mean, right? Like, who are you selling it to? For how much? What do you get? Like, do you get a receipt? Like, you know, all that sort of stuff that I had to figure out to make it work. And I realized that just as in, say, the 13th and 14th century, people thought you sold your soul to Satan, and Satan was this invisible force, you know, Satan and all his demons and evil spirits who surrounded the world and influenced our actions, and we never saw them. But if you sold your soul to them, you were losing the best part of yourself, but you were you were suddenly going to succeed and be rich and famous. And it's not because of anything you did. It's just because you belong to the right group and it signed the right contract. And I realized that the parallel to that with us now is sort of conspiracy theories, right? Like whether you subscribe to like the New World Order runs the world or the Illuminati or, you know, an international banking cartel or even like something like the 1%. There's this really pervasive idea that the world is run by invisible forces and people who are successful didn't get there on their merits. They got there on being an insider and we have no way to fight them. Like they run everything. And so I really, I had been a big conspiracy buff when I was younger, and I hadn't really done much in the conspiracy community since 2000 or so. So I really dove back in to sort of do research, and it's a really different place now. It's very, very bleak. It's all crisis actors and false flags and Pizzagate and, you know, astroturfing and Russian bots. And, and there's a real feeling of hopelessness uh, out there, this feeling that we're not in control of our lives and that believing a person can make a difference is just a, a, a bit of BS fed to the sheeple. And um, so I started writing, we sold our souls and I was, I just got eaten up by it, man. I went down a rabbit hole with conspiracy stuff and the book was bleak and it was just bleak, bleak, bleak. And I turned in the first draft to my, my publisher and they rejected it. They're like, this is way too grim. So I, mm. turned in, so I turned in three full, very different drafts that they rejected and, and they were right too. They were way too grim. But the problem is if they don't accept my manuscript, I don't get paid the back half of my advance. And so I really went broke writing this book and really, like, really hit bottom. I mean, I was like hiding how little money we had for my wife and like skipping some bills and canceling stuff. And, and finally, I sort of figured out a way out of this, like, that the only thing that as, as conspiracy theories are hopeless, being in a band is hopeful. Like, it's always about the next show, the next song, the next album. That's going to be the big one. That's going to reach people and every night, no matter how small a band is. It could go to a room of 15 people or 1,500. Every night, every single band. I don't know a band who's in it for the money. Every band I know is in it because they want to go out and they want to connect with their audience. And every night you go out and you leave it on the floor and you put your heart on your sleeve and you hope you connected with someone. And I realized it's like the ultimate act of optimism and hope. And so I came back at the book for a final Hail Mary draft. And I kind of like, as I wrote Chris out of this really dark hole, I kind of wrote myself out of it. I mean, I know authors talk about my characters came to life. And I think that's a bit of BS. But, you know, this, Chris really saved my life. She really got me out of a jam. So I owe her a lot. 
Wow, that's really interesting. And and awesome of you to talk about that. We actually have a lot of writers who listen to the show, and I think that it's hard for people, you know, it's hard to talk about your failures. And of course, all of us see you as this huge successful author. And like, I would never think that you, anybody would reject anything you've written, you know, like, <laughs> right. and uh, I get rejected for a living. That's my job. Um, and so like, I think that like hearing about all the, the times that things have not worked out for you is actually really interesting for people. Listen, man, we all have more failures than we do successes. They're often more interesting. And to be honest, like in my life, I have way more failure than success. You know what I mean? Like for every book I've gotten published, there's three that haven't been. It's, it's kind of what makes us all, you know, we're all in it together. Yeah. And I think that really comes across in the book. I mean, I, I really related to Chris in a lot of ways, like as a, a woman in my late thirties in the arts, you know, and maybe like a lot of people, you know, and in that like middle ground of success, you know, where I'm like, Oh, maybe the next movie I do, everybody will love. Right. Like I, and, and I do, I totally related to her. I thought she was like an amazingly well-written character who also happens to be fighting the forces of, uh, you know, Satan and stuff. <laughs> exactly. No, I, I really appreciate that. You know, Chris means a lot. All my characters mean a lot to me because you spend a long time with an imaginary person and you really develop a really deep imaginary relationship with them. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. We have more questions that weren't related to that, but sorry, that might get us on a, on a tangent. Um, so this episode right now is all about um, music and listening to music um, uh, and music inspiring other art. Um, do you ha Did you make a playlist when you were listening to this? Did you listen to a lot of metal? Oh, absolutely. You know, and I'm not a natural metalhead. And so uh, for me, um, I had to sort of find a way into metal. You know what I mean? Like I had to really like um, fall in love with it. Um, and... Uh, so I had to listen and listen and listen and listen until I found that one band that really tweaked my knobs and was a way in. And for me, predictably enough, it was Black Sabbath. Um, and then from there, I just sort of branched out. And yeah, I had so many playlists. I had a playlist just for Chris. I had a playlist for Dirt Work, the band she's in in the 90s. It's all the bands and songs that inspired them they were listening to in 90s. I had a whole playlist that was just for me when I was writing. Like, I, I do so many playlists. I'm a big research junkie. Like, um, when I did my best friend's exorcism, I had like, in my little stinky office, like I had charts up like television schedules from 1988. I had weather charts up from 1988. And the book I'm writing on right now, I've got a calendar up for 93. I've got maps of the neighborhoods. I've got, Jesus, I've got a tide table, like all kinds of ridiculous <laughs> stuff. So yeah, so the playlists are just the tip of a really crazy iceberg. And the same, what about my best friend's exorcism? That had a music component as well. Yeah. And you know, music, Really, I am not a musician. Like I, I sawed away at the violin like everyone does in like sixth and seventh grade. Uh, I've always wanted to be in a band and never have. And actually writing We Sold Our Soul, I was having such a hard time writing Chris and I went and took guitar lessons for a few months to really like get what it's like to play guitar. Like, what does it feel like? What's the weight like? How is it to lug that around the city and on the subway and get in your car with it and stuff? Um, I borrowed someone's car to do that. Uh, but, uh, and, and so that was really fun. Like I can play the riff to smoke on the water now and the Peter Gunn theme. Um, and for some reason, the guy who was teaching me guitar was obsessed with the cranberries. I don't know if you remember them. So like, <laughs> of course. I can play so many riffs from like zombie and linger and all this. I'm like, this is really weird. Um, but yeah, and so music just meant, has meant so much to me my entire life. Like I just, 
it's the thing that got me through so many tough times in high school. And I think, you know, and there's one album uh, I listened to so many times over and over while writing We Sold Our Souls. And when I was done with the book, I can't listen to the album anymore. It's got too many like emotional connections for me. And like, I just get all like weepy and useless when it comes on. So we've, I think we've covered writing, but do you listen to music when you read? Um, yes, I actually, you know, listening to music when I write, I do when I don't. Like often when a first draft is coming up, I don't listen while I'm writing, but I listen when I'm editing or vice versa. It depends on the day. When I read, I almost always listen to music. Um, and I've got different playlists for that too. Spotify's, <laughs> my, Spotify's like my best friend forever. Do you have, like, do you split it up by genre or by, like, you know, authors? Oh, I split it up by mood. Uh, <laughs> I've got, I've got my, like, rainy night reading playlist. I've got my, like, hyper playlist. I've got my, like, hot night playlist. I've got my winter night playlist. Um, my wife's a chef, and so she works until about midnight every night. Um, and so, like, I'm home alone at night, just me and Spotify and, like, whatever I'm working on or reading. Have you have you shared any of these on Spotify? Are they public? Can we can we go listen to them? You know, I don't know if I have or not. Um, I mean, I think. Oh, you know, I think my username on Spotify is I think Panda Rainbow Warrior. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, if yeah, maybe they are public. I don't know. Okay. Okay. But yeah, we. I mean, especially like even the ones you made for like Chris and stuff. That would be super interesting. I think for people who are fans of the book to hear. Super interesting or super boring. Like I don't know how many times <laughs> people want to listen to like Halloween. You know, but it was uh, a big deal for when Chris. When you're me, over and over. Uh, yeah, I mean, now I'm listening to that <laughs> all day. I'm a really big metalhead. So, and I have been since I was a teenage girl. So reading We Sold Our Souls was very exciting to me. Oh, that's all. So wait, do you mind if I ask? So what's your, what are your bands? Like, what are you listening to? Like black oh, metal, I, death metal, speed metal? Uh, I'm everything. I really started out with new wave of British heavy metal. So I'm an Iron Maiden girl to the end. Sure. But uh, I'm big into thrash, uh, big into power metal because I'm a nerd. Um, oh, love I love me some power metal, metal. And it's so nerdy. Oh, it's so nerdy, and I love all of it so much. I've actually been really into a band called Thunder Mother, which is an all-female, like, just, like, new wave, new, new wave of British heavy metal band, and they're amazing. So that's what I was, that's what I was listening to when I read, when I read We Sold Our Souls. Oh, no, that's awesome, because, you know, it's funny, um... I was listening to, it was really hard to find older bands that were mostly female. So I was listening to a lot of Warlock and Doro Pesh and um, oh, yeah. Girl School and, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, but then I was getting, you know, I grew, my university years were all about hardcore. So like, and I went to university in the early 90s. So to me, there's a ton of like Riot Girl stuff I'm really into. Um that's, but yeah. my, that's my universe. That's where Mallory and I, we don't cross over in that, but I like the Riot Girl stuff was, yeah, that was like my, my era. The punk and Riot Girl of the 90s was, yeah. was still what I listened to. <laughs> and you know, and it's funny to talk about it because like, I love some of those early Hole albums, like the first two. And Courtney Love's just become such a court gesture and such a clown these days. And it's so hard to explain to people that those two albums are amazing. Yeah, and and like really revolutionary for that. I mean, like they were really like crazy. Like for the time, for that music to be popular is so wild. Oh yeah, no, but I remember going to the Continental and CBGBs and Brownies and stuff, and seeing like you know uh, Bikini Kill and L Seven and stuff, and Babes in Toyland, and that like I mean, uh, yeah, Babes in Toyland. I mean, just like I loved those bands so much. Yeah, yeah. 
So besides having amazing reading playlists, do you have any other weird reading quirks you want to share with us? No, because I don't really, I just read. I'm just kind of normal. Like I read a lot. Like I, I read a couple of hundred books a year. Um, and, um, no, I just plow through stuff and it all depends on what I'm working on a lot of it or, you know, what I'm researching and stuff like that. Although I will say one thing that I do a lot is when I'm writing a book, if I'm, if I'm reading for research, fine. I'm usually not reading much fiction when I'm writing a book, but I read tons and tons of biographies when I'm writing a book. Cause it's like, you know, there's, there's always something inspirational about reading about poor depressed Charles Schultz or like Norman Rockwell or like, you know, it, it's so lame and nerdy, but like, you know, I'll read Shirley Jackson's two biographies over and over again. Oh, so good. <laughs> so, so, so will Mallory. Yes. <laughs> do you have any, do you ever give books to people? Is there a specific book you like to give to people? There is a book that I give to people whenever I can. And, and it's funny because I only like the copy of it. It was the original edition. You get it for like three bucks hardcover on like Amazon or something. So I'm always ordering them and giving them to people. But Charles Portis's True Grit. Have y'all ever read it? No. Yes, I love that book. True Grit is so amazing. It is so undervalued. And it is like, to me, I think it's the great American novel. Like I feel like Huck Finn was the greatest American novel for the 19th century, but I feel like True Grit for the latter half of the 20th century, it's, you know, it's a woman, it's a 14-year-old girl narrating it with one of the most amazing narrative voices. And it's it's a book about sort of um sort of the fact that we needed all these people to sort of make this country, right? We needed all these cowboys and wild men and wild women and people who didn't take no for an answer and people who had drive and kept going. And then once everything's settled and safe for everyone else, we don't need them anymore. And they're kind of embarrassing and there's nothing much to do with them. And it's a real sort of like, I feel like twilight for a way of life. Um, I just, that book to me is one of the most amazing books I've ever read. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Grady, um, where can people get your book and where can they find you online? They can get my book anywhere. I mean, it depends on your like, you know, your local indie bookstore, Amazon, whatever your poison is. And everything about me is compiled in one handy place. So it's easy to kill online. Um, <laughs> it's just GradyHendrix.com. G-R-A-D-Y-H-E-N-D-R-I-X. And um, you'll get more me there than you ever wanted. <laughs> Perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on the show. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Now it's time to solve a bookish problem from one of our listeners. This one is from Twitter. Uh, Amanda Line tweeted at us, I manage a comic shop. Part of my job is to read comics, but I miss prose. How can I read without guilt? It seems like this is a work slash pleasure reading balance issue. Uh, I definitely get this. This is something that happens to us a lot. Uh, I think this can happen in any profession where your work involves the written word in some way. My best advice for this is to like set some time slots, like find a window of time during your day and parse it out. Maybe you want to read like novels on your lunch break, but comics you're going to sell in the shop for an hour after dinner. Or maybe you have like two reading hours before bed every night and spend an hour reading comics and then the rest of the time on prose or even read comics during the week or prose on the weekend. However you want to break it up. That way you feel like you get your work reading done. And then once that's done, you can relax and read whatever the hell you want during the rest of your time. Yeah, I totally agree with this. I saw what you wrote and then was like, Mallory, you wrote what I was going to write in our Sorry. shared Google Doc. <laughs> no, I think you're right. Um, 
I think also, like, find a good book you can, like, just jump in and out of that you can read during these slots, like, on the weekends. Like, it could be a short story book, so that way you can get through these short stories and you yeah. feel like, okay, I've accomplished, like, I read a short story, I read some prose, I don't feel like I have to, like, go back and get, you know, read it. I'm going to keep bringing it Are up. Are you still? No, I finished it. <gasps> you finished it. It's a big day. Big day. Big day. The only problem is I'm going to miss the book club that that's hilarious. That I read it for. I know. That is it's hilarious so sad. To me. It was very good. Um, <laughs> there's some parts in it that were a little strange. Yeah. Like uh, bookmark on that later. Yeah. Let's have a chat about that. that was yeah. a weird. And also weird moments where okay. I was like, "Whoa." Okay. No I know we're in the middle of, of helping somebody's book, uh, re- helping somebody's book problem. But the weirdest thing ever. Whenever I mention this it to people who read it a long time ago, I'm like, "What about the weird kid orgy?" And they're like. What? What are you talking about? I I said this to Alan, and it's one of his favorite books. And I was like, "You don't remember the kid orgy?" And he's like, "I have no idea what you're talking about." Yeah, kid he doesn't. Re- nope. So many people don't. Rem- I was like, "How can you not remember that part?" Well, maybe Sorry, they blocked it. Alert maybe for like, it, maybe, like maybe it blocked it from them, like he does with <laughs> the kids. You know, where you don't remember so things, up you shit. forget Nobody about it. Nobody talks about yeah, it. Why are people talking about it? It's weird. weird. That part surprised me. I saw the movie, and I was like, "Wait." What's happening right now? It's yeah. so scary. Like, Stephen King, you should be made to answer for that shit. I'm um, sorry. So, so my suggestion for reading prose instead of comics. Uh, something small, short stories. Um, also, there are novels by comic writers that I think there's definitely people doing crossover. Like, they're writing both. Mm-hmm. So you could grab one of those, read it at work, and you're going to feel like you're doing work stuff. But yeah. really, you're doing fun stuff yeah. is that a good trick yeah. i don't know i couldn't think of any off the top of my head but i know there are definitely comic book writers my friend i was just talking about delilah dawson she writes a lot of comics uh, okay. she did an adventure time comic lady castle um but she also is a novelist yeah and joe hill which of course is like a big one but he Gaiman. writes great great books but also he writes comics so you can you could switch over and be like no i'm doing research for work <laughs> and read it at work and feel like you are doing research for work it's important stuff so I I don't know. I think Mallory's right though. It's a hard it's hard when you read for your job. Because yes. sometimes I read all day and then I'm like, I don't really want to read a book. I'd rather watch Great British Bake Off. Sometimes that's what you want to do. Did you know that they have a hot goth man in it this season? What? Yeah. Yeah. Hot goth man in season five. His name's Noel. <gasps> I love him so much. From is Mighty, that right? He's Sean from the, is nodding like that's right. He's from the Mighty Noel, Boosh. Noel or Noel? Noel. Noel, because it's British. Oh, I love him so Fielding. much. Yeah, I know because I wrote about it on Twitter and people got so mad at me. Why? They were like, that's no fielding, dum-dum. And I was like, okay, fine. I didn't know. Actually, everybody was really nice. They were like, you don't know about the brilliance of no fielding? He's so And wonderful. then they sent me all sorts of videos. So I got to... Anyway, that nice goth man is now... Uh, he's on the Great British Bake Off uh, giving like baking stuff not, not giving that advice he's like the guy would be enough to make me watch it he gives he's the guy who like it's the best show on television he's the guy who goes <laughs> like who goes like now it's time to bake you only have five minutes left and then oh. and he walks around and interviews people although i do have a hot goth man who bakes for me all the time so i think he's more goth than your goth man yeah alan he has long black, like, black hair. hair and he yeah. wears little like shirts with like bats on them and stuff oh, on oh. the show oh boy Great British Bake Off Ooh. really moved into the 21st century to, when they got when, when they, they hired when that guy. They were like, I'm going to keep talking about him. 
I was impressed. Anyway. So if you want us to solve your reader problem or if you have some thoughts about the Great British Bake Off, you can send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. And as always, we want to thank Danielle, who runs our Facebook group, and Chrissy and Rachel, who moderate our Goodreads page. If you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. It's really great for us and helps us reach more readers. Again, if you put your book that you would like that you would gift to somebody or whatever you're reading, we will read it on the show. Uh, you can e- email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at readinggpodcast, on Instagram at readingglassespodcast, and you can always follow along on our bookish adventures using the general hashtag reading glasses podcast thanks for listening and thanks Thanks for for reading. reading maximumfun.org comedy and culture artist owned listener supported